Hello and welcome to episode three of the Creative Manifestation Podcast. My name is Leia Salinas, and I'm so happy to have you with me here today. So the first thing that I want to do is say a big thank you to Renee G. Salinas, my wonderful husband and amazing producer and editor of this podcast. Renee, you're probably listening to this right now as you're editing this, and I just wanted to say how much I love you and appreciate all of the amazing work that you do. And thank you for accepting payment from me in the form of enchiladas. And guys, um, that message was for Renee, but I, I have to say, and I think I touched on this a little bit during the last episode, but creativity is not always, but for the most part, there's some collaborative element to it. And a lot of projects can't just be done by yourself. The support of others is so important. So it's just so important to me as well to acknowledge the people that collaborate and the people that collaborate with me and support me. And Renee is one of those, and I'm so grateful. So now we're going to go into today's episode, which I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. I'm going to have a really beautiful conversation with Teresa Murias, who is a nutritional counselor and a holistic health coach. She is one of the most qualified and knowledgeable health coaches that I've ever come across. So I'm really looking forward to sharing her words and her wisdom with you today. And just to give you a sense of some of her qualifications, I'll share some of them here. So she has a master's degree in food engineering from the University of Almería in Spain, where she also earned a master's degree in agronomy. And she also has a master of advanced studies in nutrition and health from the ETH University in Zurich, Switzerland. She received an immunology certificate from Rice University. She received her Holistic Nutrition Health Coach Certificate from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, where she also took advanced courses to become a hormone health specialist. And finally, she's currently deepening her connection to the mind-body relationship by studying for a mind-body eating coach certification at the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. So as you can tell, she probably has as many degrees and certificates and trainings that you could possibly have as a health coach. And she's also just an incredibly curious and knowledge-hungry human being who is constantly studying and exploring on her own. So I view her as being a true student of life. 
And one of the reasons that I wanted to have Teresa on the show today is because I believe that feeling good and in balance within our bodies is such an essential part of tapping into our peak creative potential. And I believe that the work that Teresa does with her clients is to guide them closer to that place. And I think it's so cool that with the work that Teresa's putting out there, she's really filling in that piece of the puzzle. In addition to that, Teresa herself went through a really powerful journey of initially living a life where she was certainly successful by external standards, but internally she felt out of alignment and was slowly burning herself out and essentially losing her health in in that process. And in today's conversation, she talks quite extensively about that experience and how she worked her way through and out of that and is now enjoying a life where she's connected with her health again. She's doing work that she loves doing, and she's also rekindled her relationship with her creative spirit. Before we dive in, the last thing I still wanted to say is that if you're interested in working with Teresa, she is currently taking on new nutritional counseling clients, And she also has a wonderful, super informative website and blog called www.yourlifeonaplate.com. And I'm going to leave all the information for that in the show notes as well. And what's also worth mentioning is that Teresa also works with clients in Spanish. So if that's your preferred language, she's also more than happy to do that. So that's as far as my intro goes today, and I'm so looking forward to sharing today's episode with you. So the reason that I wanted to have you on here is because I believe that taking care of our health and our bodies is really essential to tapping into our peak creative potential. And of all the people that I know, you're one of the most knowledgeable when it comes to health and nutrition. So thank you so much for being on the show. Wow. Thank you, Leah. First, for inviting me. Second, for your words. And third, for because it's really an honor to be a part of your creativity project. So. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you so much, really. Mm, you're so welcome. <laughs> so I want to dive right in. Um, you have a really powerful life story, which led you to where you are today. And I would mm -hmm. say that you're definitely not someone who just got up one morning and decided that she wanted to be a nutritional counselor you really went through this whole journey of self-discovery self and coming back to yourself and your health. So I just love to begin this conversation with you sharing about that. Yeah. Um, it's funny when I hear you, it seems that you are talking about somebody else, <laughs> but me. But it is true that I wish my journey was so uh, straightforward and with such a clear plan from the beginning that 
I want to be a nutritionist, I want to be a specialist in health. That was not true. I wish it was like this. And I admire those people who are uh, really following their so clear passion from the very beginning. Definitely, it was not my road. So that means, as you may imagine, it was a loan full of um, hidden corners and failures and frustration up and downs, up and downs uh, permanently. So uh, I don't want, I mean, I don't want, I don't know exactly what you want me to start talking, but if I'm telling you uh, that is even this year, or maybe two years ago, when I truly started to connect the dots, um, when I look at my past and making sense out of the whole journey until this moment. So uh, I started like a, <laughs> you can call me like a square-minded engineer. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> Yeah, literally. Um, I'm 45, that means I was born in the 70s. And being born in the 70s, at least in Spain, meant that we had the kind of imprint I'm talking about women of uh, don't become, uh, you need to strive and to be in the business, men business world. So become an engineer, try to do your best or be the best, try to prove to I don't know who, but it was there through education, also through my parents, I should say that. Um, don't complain, don't show too many emotions. Just uh, do your best and do it at the first try. So let's put it that way. That was the environment I grew up. And I totally merged there and I totally took it like my personal message. I didn't stop one second to question that. I didn't stop one single minute to listen to myself. So, yes, officially, you could see there a woman, uh, quote unquote, being successful with hours of engineering hours, national hours, and successful in business, um, scaling up the ladder of uh, the ladder, I think it's ladder, uh, really fast about promoting, promoting, promoting in business and with no meaning. And it was so scary, Leah, that I didn't allow myself to stop one minute to think about it. Deeply, I knew it was not my calling. It was not my path. And yet I was blind enough and deaf enough not to listen to myself. I like to say that the universe is, uh, is more stubborn than I am. And when I don't learn the lesson, the universe sent me a tougher and louder one. And that was, unfortunately for me, the way I was learning through all these years and the way I was um, shifting gears, some of them um, not voluntarily, <laughs> but the universe stopped me, stopped me. And that's how, when I look back, like uh, 20 years after or 25 years after, it makes sense, all the, the steps I made. But definitely it was not a clear uh, path from the beginning. Yeah. Mm. So how, how did the universe give you that lesson? Hmm. If In you want to my, share. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Uh, 
I hope it's an example of what not to do <laughs> for your listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, it came during my 30s. I was, quote unquote, successfully um, working in different, uh, uh, teaching at university, working for um, uh, food industry as a food engineer and master after master after master degree and yeah studying and working studying and working in my perfectly built hamster wheel uh, the universe started to send signals like hey slow down a little bit in the form of uh, for example chronic migraines mm. uh, more than 49 food intolerances that i <laughs> i built up wow. i was collect collecting them and literally not paying attention to them. Not, no way, no way. So uh, in the sense of, uh, I call that, I used to have during the weekends what I call my black days and I used to mark them in the calendar. That's how twisted I was. And it was after spending a whole exhausting between 15 and 16 hours a day work um, traveling around Spain, in that case, uh, from industry to industry, optimizing processes, making the profit bigger, minimizing cost, and so on and so forth. Uh, I saw myself during the weekends, especially on Saturdays, that I literally could not leave the bed. I was so exhausted. Now, I know that's called adrenal exhaustion. I think it's the right pronunciation, <laughs> something like that. Uh, but I had no idea at that time. So here I am, a woman in her 30s, um, officially successful according to the success defined by society and culture, but totally lost with no energy, no hobbies in mind, just working, working, working every single day. And I call them my black days because I could literally do nothing apart from half sleeping, a little bit wake up, sleeping, totally, totally run out. So here I am knowing all the theories about nutrition and food and the biochemistry, the physiology. I was teaching at university and yet I was unable to rest. I was unable to enjoy a homemade slow food <laughs> because for me it was a waste of time. That, that's the, the mentality I come from. For me, being a woman at that time meant that every single piece of energy I had, I had to invest it in, I don't know, learning more or discovering something new or whatever, working even more. So for me, it was cooking was a waste of time in my mental world. And that was another lesson I learned down the road. <laughs> so er, when I was 39, yeah, it was 39, 38, I don't remember exactly, 38. I had um, what I call a beautiful blessing burnout. And I decided after more than three years with no holidays, I decided to um, take uh, two months holidays. And I left the company, I mean, these two months, and I went to Nepal. It was, I was literally escaping my hamster wheel. It was not a calling. It was not, literally not. It was, it, my third eye was not opening. It was, I literally escaping the situation I was in. So in these two months, I just were there with 49 children in a Buddhist monastery, teaching them mathematics and English. And during these two months, now I know at that time I was not aware, um, it was a life turning point for me. When I came back, 
That was October 2013, in the middle of the worldwide crisis. So in Spain, it was more than 25 people percent of unemployment. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving not only the my job. I was director at that, at that time. I'm leaving my home. I'm leaving my car. I'm leaving my furniture. I'm leaving the country. And I'm leaving everything. So in three months, I moved to Switzerland. Um, why? Because I decided, and that was, if I'm honest, it was the first hard, quote-unquote hard, hard means heart and gut together decision that I made. The first intuitive decision that I made in my life, it was, I need to know what is happening to these children that they left behind in Nepal. And I was crying so much for them because they were malnourished. They were every day, they were sick. So I went there like a, with the heart of being a teacher and teaching them and help them. And I was not aware at that time how much they helped me in return. So when I went back, I decided to, uh, to study a master in advanced. Um, yeah, she's a master in advanced studies in nutrition and health uh, in Zurich at the ETH. And that's why I moved to Switzerland. So the idea originally was Teresa is going to study about nutrition. I've studied about food engineering. I'm an agronomist. I've been working in the food chain. So I know all the nutrition, the, the food part. Now I want to know about the nutrition part. The original idea was I will study this. It was a two years a master degree. And I will go back to Nepal to quote unquote, save these children. How naive, and let me tell you how entitled this kind of saving the world woman. And that was one of the uh, humblest, is humblest is the right word? Humble mm -hmm. experiences. I, yeah, humbling experiences I ever had in my life. And then I learned that later. There, there was no one to save at that moment but me. And I realized that a few years later. And that's why when I think of them, I honor them. I truly love them because they taught me one of my biggest les lessons in life that the first thing you need to do in this world is to take care of yourself. Then you can do whatever you want in the rest of the world, but take care of yourself. Because I had, I had been projecting to work for others, to be at service of others, to dedicate my life Let's put it that way. My boss, the professor at the university, my parents, my friends, whomever, it didn't matter, these children. But it was a projection. It was just a, Teresa neglecting her own needs her whole life until the point of reaching um, a, a disease. And that was when the universe said, hey, it's enough. You don't learn the lesson. The lesson. I'm going to stop you. And that was already been in Switzerland after the Master in Advanced Studies in Nutrition and Health, after going back to work in pharma being in Zurich. And I was not learning. I was, I, the title, the academic titles were piling up and more and more and more. I didn't learn what I needed to learn. And that was the, in a way, the tipping point for me. And it came in the form of a stubborn person, in the form of a disease. And that, that was a moment in which I really said, hey, something must change and it's not another title or not another master degree it's me and my life and what i think of me and how i treat 
myself. And that was, that was hard. It was not an easy learning thing. It took me quite a while. That was a, the next tipping point <laughs> in my career. Yeah. That was 2017. So it took me a while. I'm quite stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> I think it takes a lot of people a while. It's, it's challenging to listen to your intuition, um, especially if you're getting so much messaging from the outside world telling you to do something else. And you're right. Especially, honestly, Leah, I think that nowadays when I think, when I see people of your age, <laughs> let me tell you that, even if I sound like a mother, when I see, young, <laughs> young, when I, when I see the young generation, I feel... I feel happy. I smile because I see that you are realizing this thing, these mental tricks sooner and sooner and sooner. And that's beautiful because you cannot step. I think all of us are intuitive. I don't believe that there is not a single person on this planet that is not an intuitive person. The problem is that we bury that intuition with a lot of mental uh, chattering. We, and we think, and I'm talking about myself now, we state that the mind is it's like a somehow somehow above the rest it's like a superior and from that perspective we disregard we uh, don't pay attention to other parts of ourselves that they are as important as our mental capabilities and that's when t- t- intuition turns off because it cannot scream it it screams in the form of the body but we don't pay attention to it. And that's beautiful when uh, you see people that step into that intuition clearer and clearer, sooner and sooner, and with more ease. At, at some, that's, for me, it's beautiful to see. I really admire that because I was not that person. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I mean, even though you weren't necessarily that person, you did step into becoming that person. So... You you said that in 2017 you had this awakening. Um, so then, what happened then when you realized that um, you you really needed to you know get in touch with yourself? Ah, uh, you call it an awakening. I call it a <laughs> a universal hit in on my in my head. <laughs> it was really because there was not other way to wake me up. And it was a disease, literally. And uh, it was a disease that doctor told me, Teresa, are you a believer? And I'm talking about one, the hematologist, second, the digestive tract specialist. Mm-hmm. Hey Teresa, are you a believer? Not especially. Why? Because it's time for you to start to believe because science won't heal you. And that was my diagnosis and in 2017. Wow. And I had two. This is not one, two at a time. And it was one is an autoimmune disease. I still have it. I live with it. And that's fine for me. And the second was a major digestive issue that I thought, I mean, they thought it was um, colon cancer, stomach cancer, Hashimoto. I mean, they they thought it was absolutely everything. Crohn's disease. And Mm. I spent a few months um, extremely bad and not being able, of course, to leave home. I had to stop working. And that was the moment um, that my intuition started to shout and say, hey, this is not about anything that I'm eating. This is not. It has to do, in my case, I'm talking about my personal story, it has to do with the way I am living. And 
after one month, two months being severely ill, uh, I decided, I think it was the first step of healing. It was to leave the pharma company I was working at that moment, more than 20 hours a day, easily said, but true. Wow. And, and then I said, it's enough. And it's enough, not only that, but to stop working for any company on this planet. So the 9 to 5 or 9 to 8 or 9 to 9, 9 to 9 um, daily work is over for me. I was missing a part of me who is able to decide and responsible enough to decide when I work, how I work, and my time table schedule schedule so i this kind of free to choose how i work it was screaming out loud then um i'm not recommending this because it's not an easy step but i made a decision it was a it, it was a tough decision but i think it was needed in my case and then they say hey i want to stop working in this company i have no idea what to do next i have not the slightest idea what i'm going to do uh, but it's clear I cannot go the way I am. So that was the, if you can call it awakening, awakening, believe me, it was like a big, big punch on my face because it was time too. And then I started first to heal my gut. It took a few months. That was when I started to dive in, in concepts of um, psycho, neuro, immuno, endocrinology or immune endocrinology in English, psychoneuroimmune endocrinology. I started to read about functional medicine, uh, Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, and it, I, I was my own healer, let's put it that, that way. And then I started to learn about it. And at some point I said, hey, if I'm doing that to myself, maybe I can study it further. And that could be maybe a path for me. But if you ask me, are you where were you planning to be a health coach no hell no no idea the health coach didn't even exist in my realm this word didn't exist so but one day it is said that when the student is ready the master shows up and appears that it yeah. was so yeah that was i took a sabbatical and for the first time in my life a real true sabbatical to become a health coach then it was, wow, that was something, wow, mesmerizing for me. The wide opening range of different possibilities to be of, I mean, of uh, health and medicine and nutrition, apart from the standard Western medicine that I was used to. And immediately my attention was uh, into the hormonal balance and immediately after the connection, the mind-body connection and the psychology of eating. So that's been my path, not plan, but that's been uh, down the road since 2017, what I've been doing. And it's, uh, I can tell you, it's my path. If you ask me what I'm going to do in two years, I have no idea, Leah, but it's so clear for the first time in my life that this is the path I want to take for the first time. That um, this kind of certainty, I think you have it only once or twice in your life. And it's not easy. But it's when it's so clear, you cannot neglect it again. <laughs> because you know you get sick. And that was my, my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like that story brings up such a great point about how sometimes um, our intuition is guiding us in a certain direction, even though we don't know what's next. 
And it's not about knowing what's next. It's literally just about following that intuitive impulse and trusting that in that process, the next thing will emerge and the next thing and the next thing. So it's really remarkable because the, and that's very scary. So it's really remarkable that you, you listened. It's uh it's nice that you mentioned that because uh, you said the word trust. Mm. It's been, I have trust written here in a bracelet, bracelet, mm. yeah, bracelet that I have because it's one of the hardest part for me to learn and it's trust the process blindly trust the process because I'm I'm miscontrol. I was controlling processes in the industry, controlling controlling um, my own life, trying to controlling uh, companies, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's an illusion, and I see that in my with my clients also when they try to translate that into their plate and trying to control and over control sometimes what they eat. It's an illusion. And one way or another, it, it's not working. So for me, it doesn't apply to the plate itself, but it's applied to my everyday life. If I see myself running into the autopilot mode, I turn into trying to control everything and my schedule and what I have to do and the to-do list or whatever. And it's a permanent, permanent, permanent learning point that I had. I say, hey, hey, stop, stop, let it go. Trust the process trust just focus on the next step just focus on the next step and you know what funny enough funnily enough um, one of my biggest teacher has been the mountain mm. because I like climbing and for me it's really hard to meditate because my monkey mind is permanently chattering but when I'm in the mountain it you must be so laser focused on your next step literally because you need to find on that rock where you, you are going to hold yourself for your hand or for your foot. So there is no other thought. And the only thing I repeat permanently, and my, my teacher taught me, Teresa, focus on your next step. Literally meaning that. And that's been one of my biggest teachers, the mountain, since 2017, by the way, that I, I allowed myself to rediscover some hobbies. And the mountain was always calling me. So uh, trusting the process is one of the most beautiful things you can give yourself, whatever that means for you, and not to try to step into the anxious mode of what's going to happen down the road, even six months ahead. We never know. We never know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And how would you say after you made this transition from deciding, you know, I, I don't want to work for a company anymore, and I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna create my own work. And now, now you have your own um, coaching business, and you do nutritional counseling for your clients. How would you say that transition also affected your your creativity and your ability to tap into your creativity? Um, first, I must, I must admit, again, my case, I cannot generalize, but it's not a fairy tale. The transition for me was not mm. easy. I was somehow naive, thinking, oh, that will be, I, I finished my health, course, health coach certificate and clients will jump on me. No, not true. <laughs> not true, not at all. So it's not an easy journey. Um, 
worthy? Absolutely, yes, no doubt, but not easy. So uh, I see myself that uh, creativity, I have redefined the word, the meaning of creativity for me because I grew up and I, until I was, I don't know, five years ago, I didn't consider myself a creative person at all, at all. I love reading and yet I didn't allow myself to write that much. I love music and I play the piano and yet I don't create music. Uh, I paint like a two-year-old girl. That's my capability for painting or drawing. So I sing and dance, but mainly at home or during the shower. But mm -hmm. I didn't consider myself a creative person. And somebody told me three, four years ago, hey, are you aware, Teresa, that your capability to, to connect the dots of somebody, you are listening to somebody and say, have you seen yourself like this, like this? Have you considered this and this and this and this? And this? Hey, are you aware that no one in my life told me that? Mm. So I saw myself when I started listening to people that I am aware I'm able to connect the dots and to read between the lines of their own story in a way that they sometimes they are not even aware of. And instead of say, when somebody tells me something like this, before I would say, oh, no, that's not creativity. Forget it. That's nothing. That was me, the judge living within me. Now I allow myself to say thank you for saying that because it's a way to respect the other person, the, the other person and to respect your wisdom and your capability of seeing things in me that I am not able. So slowly by surely, <clears throat> I sorry, I, I accepted when somebody was saying something nice about my work or about me in general. And slowly also I started to realize, hey, there are many ways of being creative. A the way a person decorates a room is creativity. The way a person is uh, setting up a table for a nice dinner is creativity. The way a person talks to another person, that can be really creative. The way I send you an email, that can be really pure creativity. So I started to allow myself to broaden that definition from my, again, engineer square mind. <laughs> and, and that I cannot say I am um, creative. I, 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 maybe I'm not the one who is entitled to say that, but I enjoy creating things. And for me, one of the major things that helped me to understand that, it was the difference. And I must say thank you to Elizabeth Gilbert. It's, um, I love that woman. I truly love her. She's the author of uh, Eat, Pray, and Love. And she has a beautiful, beautiful book called Big Magic. I love and that I, book. I, I, love, I, I love it. I love it. And I love her. I admire yeah. her. Because I listened to her and it was not a famous TED talk that she has about the genius, the creative, elusive genius that is mm -hmm. highly recommended. But it was another, I think it's what in the Tim Ferriss show. She was interviewed and she was talking between the difference between creativity and be. Or, or being original and being authentic. And for me, it was like, wow, that is. Because I was not considering myself a creative person because I, I was thinking, what I do, it's not original. I may write an email or write a post or write a letter or create some content, but it's already written somewhere, I am sure. 
People talk about sadness and frustration and anger and food and diet and depression or, and emotions. It's already written everywhere and love and frustration, whatever. It's written everywhere that it's not original. The difference is, and she said, when you put in that idea your passion, your own voice, your own expression, your own experience into that topic, that's authentic. And if you leave that authenticity, that's original. And for me, it was a, what the hell that is? Maybe I won't create a new piece of art. I don't know. But the way I talk to people, the way I express myself when I allow myself to write without expectations, for me, that's creativity. And it feels so good, Leah, when you are able to do that without expecting anything in return. In return, no likes, no followers, no money, not just by doing it. For me, that's the definition of creativity. And these days, I allow myself doing that in, in some areas, especially writing. I love it. I truly love it. But in others too, yeah. That's, mm. uh, that was... Thank you so much for saying that um, because I'm really passionate about spreading the message that creativity doesn't only exist in like painting or performing or, or activities that people typically view as being quote unquote creative. So mm. thank you so much for saying what you just said now, because I feel like it sums that idea up so beautifully and I also have to say, as a reader of your blog, um, that really shines through, like that creative spirit that you have really shines through in the work that you put out there. And I, I mean, I haven't worked with you as a client, but I can imagine that also comes through in your client sessions. And I know that you've helped many, many people. So um I feel like that's just a testament to allow that creative spirit to shine through in whatever you're doing. Thank you for your words. Um, thank you for the blog because literally I'm starting from it's a tiny, tiny project. Mm -hmm. And of course, self-doubt is sitting on the table every time. I would, I would like to if I say, oh my God, that's over. I, mean, I feel so free flowing here. It's not true, Leah. <laughs> I, doubt, I doubt every time because I say, okay, I need to talk, imagine, about salt. My God, there are two million entries of blog posts talking about the salt. How can I be original? Salt is salt. It, there is nothing original there. So I try to say, okay, think about example of people when they talk to you about the salt. There are worries, there are myths out there, misunderstandings there. And then that's what, okay, I'm going to experience the salt myself and I will try to see it from another perspective. But it's not original. It's about salt or it's about estrogen or the thyroid hormone or the menopause or whatever that is. So it's, it's not about the topic itself. It's about how do I bring in? bring it to the table sorry how how i express it how i relate to that and and i must say something here because I, and you know it very well i had no idea that's why i'm struggling with building my presence online because i i froze when i in last february i said okay let's start slowly but surely building or 
growing my presence online. And then I saw myself stepping into the panic garden of, oh my God, writing a blog. I must know about the storytelling. I must know about copywriting. What the hell is this? I never heard that in my life. I'm just sit down and, and write. So right now I'm struggling between the thing of being professional and following the standards, official standards about the storytelling and whatever, creating content or copywriting on selling your story and being me. Because the post until now, it's been me sitting in the morning and writing a post with no marketing guidance. So in a way, it's a scary thing line for me too. And I'm saying that because maybe some of your audience is, tra is trying to fit into the market. Mm. And there is a thin line between following the what people say it's recommended, and that's great, the advice they give, and your true inner guidance, because you can freeze because of too much information. And that's my case. I freeze. If I start to think too much about it, I freeze. So I've decided that this time in my life, yes, I will read about it. I will learn about it. But still my voice must be there. And if that means that I don't have so many followers, so be it. But if I see myself pushing myself and be feeling restricted by following this kind of title and then the subtitle and then how you tell the story and then yeah, how to, um, the how do you say, the call to action and then tell people this and this, I feel restricted and that's not me anymore. So I encourage people, I invite people to find their own voice Even if the rest of the world is saying, hey, you should be one A, A, B, and C to be successful. Yes, listen to it, hear it, but don't be so restricted to that because maybe your way of showing in the world is being totally different. And that's so fine. And that's so cool. And that's really okay. So um, that's how I'm living the quote unquote creativity these days. I'm one If I, I'm a stepping in on one step, I get frozen. On one step, I say, hey, let's move ahead. And that's, that's my <laughs> creativity dance these days, literally. It's, it's not an easy one. It's not funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I can so empathize with that. And I also, just listening to you talk, I had this realization that I feel like it's about knowing just enough to get started, mm -hmm. but then don't feel it not feeling like you need to know absolutely everything that's out there because I also feel like if you try and go and learn every single thing that's out there on the internet, you're actually also limiting your own, you know, spontaneous inspirations and ideas and, um, and everything else that's out there, it, you know, at some point came from, the void. <laughs> so yeah. I think we need to give ourselves that space still to have, you know, to have that space to create out of nothing in a way, yeah. instead of just oversaturating ourselves with information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I emailed you about this question um, oh, and I'm not God. sure yeah. if you have an answer, but I'm just <laughs> so curious. <laughs> Yeah. Um, as a nutritional counselor, 
Would you say that there's any specific foods that can nurture or support our creativity? And I know that you've also been, you've also been bringing the mind body connection into your work. So yeah. um, if, if there's a piece of that there as well, feel free to elaborate on that as well. That's a tricky question, Leah. And now, now is when I'm supposed to be so professional and give you all information about the <laughs> nutritional facts. I'm sorry, it won't be the case. So please give me two minutes to try to explain myself why. Totally. <laughs> But fine. it's a, yeah, um, there is not a straightforward one size fits all answer for that. And please mm. let me explain you why. It is true and really true that certain foods have the power to shift our mental state for the wood and the bad, really both. So that's how powerful food can be. Having this in mind, I was thinking this morning about your, um, your question. I was sitting there taking my coffee. I mean, really pure coffee, nothing calming. And I was thinking, how can I say that being politically correct and be truthful to myself? And depending on the type of creation or piece of art that a person may want to crystallize, materialize, you may choose different types of foods. What do I mean by that? For example, it may happen, it may happen, but I cannot imagine a hip hop singer uh, creating a song by which he wants to protest against, I imagine, some social injustice by sipping I don't know, bone broth or a chamomile tea. I cannot imagine that. And it's totally fine. It may happen, but I, it's not in my imagination. The mental state that that person wants to bring on the table is totally different that they may, for example, a poet who will be talking, I don't know, or writing about the radiant energy of the springtime. So I also was thinking, for example, the magical mystery tool tour album from the Beatles or Beatles, sorry, or the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, all long list of addictions that he had. We cannot discuss or argue that these guys were not creative. Mm -hmm. So why am I saying that? I know it's not too politically correct. In my opinion, this is not a question to be answered from the quote unquote ivory tower of a nutritionist. Having said that, it is true that in general, what uh, to a step into what we call the zone or the flow, it is true that we must get our bodies out of the stress mode. That's clear. That means to downregulate our nervous system, the overactive, normally overactive during our stress, daily stressful daily life, and to step into the It's called parasympathetic nervous system. That's the nervous system that is the one that digests, rests, regenerates, repairs, and that step into the creative mode. So when we are stressed, worried, or uh, yeah, in our monkey mind, it is really difficult to activate the neurological pathways that allow to open to our, our creativity. So being on a survival mode that too much cortisol in our veins may, may trigger is not compatible, it really is not, with being in the relaxed and opening state that your intuition needs 
to appear. So there are certain foods that may help you either to be centered and in that relaxation state or either getting, getting you out of that relaxation state. For example, in Ayurveda, the Indian tradition, uh, traditional health system or health realm, they call it, some foods are called rajasic. Rajasic means they, they take us out of our center. If you follow the microbiotic health paradigm, they call it foods can be extreme yin or extreme yang, meaning that these foods, when we eat them, they take us out of our center. In our Western world or paradigm, we would call it we overactivate the sympathetic system, we overactivate the cortisol, we overactivate a peak of insulin, and that's pure stress. That's how we call it. So you see different maps to interpret, interpret, yeah, yeah. interpretate, yeah, <laughs> the, the same territory. So which are these foods? These foods in general, again, because each, each person is different, the foods that may contribute to take us out of our center into that stress mode, survival mode, are sugar, refined grains, refined flour, alcohol, excess caffeine, excess salt, unhealthy fats, and a few more. So coming back to your question, and I'm not trying to avoid it, really, it's a complex one. For some people, stepping into that calm, resting, digesting, creative, stress-free zone may mean keeping sugar at bay, eating grounded root vegetables, carrots, beets, leeks, pumpkins, uh, enjoying their favorite drink for some others and setting up the proper environment around them. For some others may mean fasting because some people find certain mental clarity when they are in that digestive rest state that happens during fasting. For some others may mean following a plant-based diet because too much protein or too much refined carbohydrate may speak uh, sorry, spike insulin and cortisol. For some others, maybe following a ketogenic diet and being on the keto zone. So I'm not trying again to avoid uh, or going into circles around your question, but it's so individual, Leah, that it really depends on the person. Uh, what all these strategies may have in common is that all of them, one way or another, they shut down for a while the overactive and overreactive nervous system. So when we are over alert, the intuition may not enter, may not step, may not step in. So we don't enter in the, the so-called zone, whatever you want to call it. Not too long ago, I heard the beautiful story about the savanna. And there are a group of people uh, that they call, I think they are called animal trackers, something similar. So these are people that sit down and they are following tracks from lions or panthers or tigers or elephants or whatever. So there are some, um, you as a tourist can be there and then you are with them a few days and then you do the same. So it was shocking for the tourist. <laughs> 
been there sitting in the middle of the savanna saying, okay, we're, we're starting. And then everyone was expecting, I don't know, to be explorer and now to be tracking like a spy there. No, the first thing they did was sitting down on the floor for more than half an hour, almost like gazing. And almost, almost seems that they were falling asleep. What they were doing was stepping into their intuition. And we would call it stepping into the meditation state, literally. What these people are doing is stepping, calming down the overstressed nervous system and stepping into the parasympathetic one, stepping into the intuition. That's the state that the creative person or a person, all of us are creative, needs to recreate one way or another in order to allow your inner voice to express. And that's, for each person, is different. That's, that's what I, and of course, I invite every person to discover what that means for him or for her. And of course, I encourage them to do it in a healthy, sustainable way, not like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, for example. But it's just a personal, personal thing. So I cannot say, hey, I don't know, a glass of a cup of coffee is bad for your intuition or <laughs> you should be fasting eight hours in a row to step into your intuition or, or it must be only with chamomile tea and candles. No way. It depends. It depends. So I hope I answer. <laughs> I think that is... Such a perfect answer to that question because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right too. I'm, I'm not um, a professional nutritionist, but I've always believed that there's no one diet that is perfect for everybody. So yeah. it only makes sense that the same would apply to, you know, food and practices and creativity. It's really about discovering what works for you. Yeah. And respecting that and honoring that. That's for me one of the big things. Yeah, absolutely. So if you don't mind my asking, and you you don't have to answer this question, but how do you nurture and support your creativity? What what works for you? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my God, that's a question. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a work in progress. And I'm saying that because when I try to nurture my creativity by listening what I consider role models, for example, Elizabeth Gilbert, for me, is one of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I, I say, oh, I should, I should create a habit, like a morning routine, an evening routine. Yeah. I'm not there yet. Totally honest, I'm not there yet. I'm a striving, a striving and struggling and fighting against my whatever every morning. So the truth is, I see myself respecting my own schedules, and that means, for me particularly, it depends on the day. I cannot say every day I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I do my meditation, I do yoga, and then I step into the zone and write. I wish it was so easy. I tend to get up very, very early in the morning. I'm a morning person, so whatever... Right? Um, for me, creation, creativity at this moment. Or when I think about, for example, a client's problem, a, a client's struggle, I tend to do it first thing in the morning. It's me, that's all. But I don't have a morning routine yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm working hard to include uh, exercise in the morning. And by exercise, I mean a little bit of 
Pilates or dancing or walking, not much because I'm really, really lazy person in that sense. <laughs> uh, that's true. I am. So I'm not there yet. I wish I was. Uh, for me, I also need the space when I have a jammed, completely squeezed agenda with whatever I have in my to-dos, an endless to-dos list. I know that day it's impossible for me to write a single line. It's not. I, my 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 mode is different. My mind is different. And then I'm learning to allow that. It is okay if that day I cannot do it. So I'm also learning that during the week, I need to set up space in my agenda because I'm a person who tends to uh, really um, overtask myself and to put too many things on my plate. And even if I teach about how to eat, I tend to put too many things on my mental plate. So the first thing I'm learning to do is to set up some space. I mean, free space. That means some mornings with uh, not cleanse until certain time or no alarm clock on the weekends or going for a walk. Uh, I don't know, whatever I feel for. By s- and I, I'm experiencing that when I have that space, intuition comes. It's unfortunate because the best ideas I have them while I'm taking a shower or walking or <laughs> hiking. And I, have, I don't have the notebook near. And then what I'm doing, it's okay. I have the mobile and then I record and I take some notes, bullet points or something. And then when I go, I, I go back, I write it. But I see myself that I wish I was the person that who sits down every day at the same time and things come. It's not me. And it's also, I think it's also part of the journey to learn to know yourself. Because if you are that kind of person, oh my God, hallelujah. I'm happy for you. But if I, if you are not like it's my case and it comes whatever it feels for, to learn how to respect yourself, how to listen to yourself, how to create that space that you need is also for me a, a learning point. And some days I may find myself sitting alone in the morning very early, uh, yeah, very early writing, and I don't stop until I'm done. So I don't set up a timer for that. Uh, some days I, f- I see myself taking the hiking boots and going down the lake and coming back. Uh, for two hours and then I find the words there some days uh, it's not the day for me to be at home and then I go listen I go to the noisiest more crowded cafeteria that you may have in mind I sit down (laughs) there I unplug myself between that chattering around me I unplug myself with my earphones uh, one of my endless playlists I have in Spotify and I tune in and I completely, um, really, I, I, I start to write and write and write or whatever I need to do for two, three, four hours. So it, it really depends. I wish it w- I was more structured. It would be much easier for me and my nerves. <laughs> but it is where I am right now. And I think my teaching point at this time in life is to respect that and to make a space for that. That is, yeah. So um, I think I'm not, um, it's not very creative what I'm saying, but it's my situation at this time. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I mean, 
I actually feel that what you're saying is very empowering to a lot of people um, because I have found that there's a certain narrative, I want to say out there, but let's just say on the internet that, you know, mm-hmm. in order to be creatively productive, it has to look a certain way. Like you said, you know, wake up at five every morning. But again, I really feel like that's just one way and it's not necessarily the only right way that's out there. So. So thank you for, for sharing what works for you. And I mean, again, as with food, it's, it's again about uncovering what, what works for you, right? Italy. Yeah. Mm. So we are almost ready to wrap up, but okay. are you still ready for a quick fire round of questions? Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> let's go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so the first one's food related again. Um, yep. What is your favorite creativity inspiring snack? It's not creative at all, but it's delicious, Leah. And for me, it is, um, I have, I mean, it's one, it's two in one. It's a ex- extremely hot. Matcha de latte with coconut milk and cinnamon and a piece of dark chocolate. No oh way. Gosh. No way I can escape that. <laughs> that's, that's, I want you to make that for me sometime. <laughs> <laughs> you are more than welcome, really. It's delicious, really. I mean, it I, love it. I love Sounds <laughs> amazing. Um, when is your peak creative time? In the morning, afternoon, evening, or at night? No, it's, it's, it, that's a clear, straightforward question, <laughs> as opposed to the others. <laughs> it's in the morning, Leah, it's in the morning. For me, it's, uh, sometimes I wake up at five, sometimes I wake up at six, uh, with the words in my tongue, and the, well, sometimes I go struggling. That's me. I need to learn to create some space between me and my clients' struggles, but up to now, I tend to go sometimes worry about them or even worry about my own issues. So in the morning, it comes, it comes. I connect the dots early in the morning. Uh, by morning, I mean freshly woke up or around 9 and 10 when the, there is not so much noise. I live in a village, so it's quite easy to uh, to be calm in the early hours, except my friends, the cows here. So... <laughs> To go for it really to go for a walk like eight seven eight o'clock it's uh oh my god it's there is so much magic out there in the early hours that uh, I'm enjoying so much like um, I see everything with children's eyes like a child's eyes and that's for me that's for me a, a very very good one mm. not time related but also when I go for long hikes because the first half and I say long hikes on purpose because the first hours I'm blaming myself. What the hell is hard idea to be walking here? I should be on the sofa. It's I'm lazy. I, I'm lazy. But after half an hour, it's like a, the runner's high. The endorphins kick and really kick. And I, I, I love it. I love it. And that's why my mobile must be ready because I'm going to start to record some notes in order to write them down later on. But I'm not a late evening person. I'm not a night person. Le- definitely, I'm not. My brain, my brain gets flat uh, in the evening, and I need to acknowledge that and to respect that also. Yeah, I'm totally mm. with you. I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, chocolate or coffee? 
oh my god no why to choose coffee with chocolate <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i would say i must say here blonde roast coffee and that the nutritionist had because the blonde roast uh compared with the uh, highly roasted coffee the black black coffee when the coffee is too black just for you to know is there is no more caffeine in it it's a yeah. myth it's sugar burned in the process okay and i'm telling you a food engineer is talking to you right now so they burn sugar in the process of creating the coffee in order to make it darker and a stronger flavor so wow. it's highly unhealthy Step number one. Second one, there is no more caffeine in it. So the blonde roast is a, let's put it away, healthier option. And now I'm talking a caffeine addicted is talking to you. I love coffee, not addiction, but I really love coffee and I want to enjoy a nice cup of coffee, black, no sugar, nothing, with dark, organic, 100% cacao, <laughs> chocolate. So that's the, it's really delicious. It's really delicious. So I cannot choose the layer. <laughs> You're allowed to say both. That totally counts. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it comes together. Mm, and I'm with you there too. I like having them both at the same oh, yeah. time as well. Mm. Um, what kind of music stirs your creativity? That's a tricky one because I have endless list. And oh my God, the, the, it depends on what I'm trying to write. And that goes from... Ludovico Eunadi, that I also like to play uh, on the piano. Uh, Muse, Rachmaninoff, Shamanic Drums, Naina Simone, Flamenco, you name it. I don't have, I can't tell you for each kind of... Actually, when I'm thinking of something, I say, oh my God, this piece of music for this blog post, this piece of music for this text, this, I, I, I couple <laughs> uh, music uh, songs or melodies or classical music with text. And that's my brain. That's how my brain works. But uh, I, can, I don't have a favorite one. It depends on my mood. Literally depends on my mood. Yeah. From classical music to everything basically everything yeah unfortunately i don't have a clear answer for that yeah but i can say i can send you a, one of my playlists <laughs> i'll i'll leave i'll leave it in the show notes so our listeners can listen to it too if that's okay, okay with i you. will i will absolutely I, I have one is called disconnection that i used to write actually i can send that playlist with you absolutely yes <laughs> that'd be really cool that'd be really right. cool <laughs> so you survived the quick fire round they were five. Okay. <laughs> and um, before we wrap up, um, so all of this information is going to be in the show notes, but where can the listeners learn more about you and your work? And especially since you're a nutritional counselor, if people mm -hmm. want to work with you, where can they find you? Um, that's where the Teresa the Perfectionist would say, oh my God, now I should have all my social media <laughs> built up. It's not the case. I'm starting uh, being present in social media. So I'm literally starting my presence on Instagram. So I invite you there, but it's merely empty up to now. You can find me, uh, of course, on my website. You can contact me there. Uh, I think you can write it somewhere, but it's uh, yourlifeonaplate.com and the email is teresa at yourlifeonaplate.com. So that's the easiest, fastest way to contact me. And I truly hope, but I don't know how yet, 
I will be more present, uh, more present. Sorry, on on social media. I don't know whether it will be a podcast, YouTube. Uh, of course, and on the website you have also the the blog is embedded yeah. there, so it's the same the same address. And that's where uh, I would invite them to um, uh, subscribe to the newsletter because I love writing, <laughs> and and that's that's an e also an easy and free way to be nurtured by nutrition and emotions and hormones and life and stories and yeah that that could be an easy way yeah yeah but I, I don't have I don't have many many social media presence up to now <laughs> yeah and I mean I also want to mention to the listeners that your blog is really an amazing resource I feel like you put so much care into yeah. writing your blog posts and they're really full of information you're definitely not just churning out content so thank for anybody you. who's listening <laughs> thank you thank you thank yeah. you yeah <laughs> yeah so finally just as a wrapping up question mm -hmm. what does creativity mean to you for me means to allow myself wear what i call the curiosity glasses to see life through them for me creativity means to let myself express my own voice, whatever that means. Even if my voice is going to say what one million people have said already before, it's me. And creativity for me is also respect and honoring what you are. And it doesn't matter whether you can turn that into business, you can turn that into a profession, you can turn that into a profitable endeavor. For me, creativity means to step into your humanity somehow, because that's something that the rest of animals, as long as we know, don't have. And we are, we are creative creatures. And when we don't do that, we are neglecting a big part of us. That was me, what creativity means. After all this year, considering myself a non-creative human. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Teresa. Thank you, Leah. It's been such an honor. Such an honor. Mm -hmm.